wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. We serve a great God, an awesome Lord. God bless you. We may be you may take your seats. It's wonderful anointing in the house. Tremendous sense of God's presence. And it's great to have everybody in church today. And uh, we're going to invite our children's minister up, Sandra Coxale. Give us her a hand. She comes and shares. Got a bit of an item this morning. Really good. Thank you, choir. these kids, or some of them anyway, to demonstrate or to show you some of the stuff we've been learning this term in Kids Church. We have actually, we run on themes in Kids Church and we've actually been learning a particular theme and I'm going to see how many of these kids can actually remember that. Just a minute. Let's encourage these kids. Put your hands together. Give them a bit of a holler. We have a little boy here who wasn't allowed to come to church until he came to four, four years of age. And now he's four. He's in church this morning by his own choice. Isn't that an amazing thing? Fantastic. God bless every one of these little ones in the name of Jesus. Is Emma here? No. Okay. I'm surprised, Ivy. Very good. I must not make an idol to worship. Very good. I must not use God's name as a swear word. Yes. I must keep one day of the week holy as a day to, that is holy to God. Yeah. I must, I must honor my mother and father. Yes, all the parents said. <laughs> I must not kill anyone. Yeah, very good idea. I must not love in a wrong way or love someone else's husband or wife. Yep. I must not steal. I must not lie. <laughs> I must not want for myself things that belong to someone else. What does that mean? It means I don't want to be jealous. Or yeah. yes. or Excellent. Thank Very you, guys. Everybody, sit down. Thank you. Okay. We've been doing the Ten Commandments, God's law, and that's actually last week they all got up and said it without reading it. But anyway, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Who does anybody here know who wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace? Anybody? No, God didn't write it. A man wrote it. Does anyone know the name of the man who wrote it? Do you know? David. No, it wasn't actually David from the Bible. It was actually a man who lived about 200 years ago. Something like that. Do you know? Moses. No, he was in the Bible. That's a long time ago. Yes? Huh? Matthew? No. I'm going to tell you his name. His name was... Girls, sit down, please. Sit. (laughs) Sit. Sit. Yes. No, it was na- his name was John Newton. Do you know what he did for a living, this man? He was a dreadful man, actually. He was a dreadful man. He was a sailing ship captain and he used to trade. But do you know what he traded in? Anybody guess what he traded in? Yes? Huh? No. He traded in slaves. He took people from Africa, Africa, and he came and he sold them in England and um, Europe as slaves. He was a horrible man, really. Well, what we'd call a horrible man because we don't like people that do those things. Do you think God liked that? No. No, he didn't. Okay, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, oh, I'm going to show a little video in a minute about this man, but one day when he was sailing from Africa with a ship full of slaves... He ran into a big, big storm. Really big storm. Yeah, okay. I wanted the big storm on the TV, but anyway, on the thing. Big storm. Really big storm. And honestly, his ship was going to sink. They were going to lose everybody. Thank you for that. They were going to lose everybody. And John Newton was afraid he was not going to just lose his ship and all his slaves and his crew, but his life. And he prayed to God. You know how when people are desperate and they're ready to die and something Mm. bad's going to happen, he prayed to God and he said, God, save me. Help me. I promise if I live through this, I'm going to serve you. Wow, that was a good promise to make to God, wasn't it? Okay, let's watch this video about John Newton. Veteran actor Albert Finney betrays Wilberforce's preacher and mentor, John Newton. Their relationship bolstered Wilberforce throughout his tireless struggle. John Newton became, by Wilberforce's own admission in later life, a father figure for him. John Newton was a slave trader, trafficking thousands of men, women, and children from Africa to the auction blocks. In 1748, a violent storm threatened to sink his ship. And when it was about 45 or so, he had a crisis of conscience. And the cry of his heart echoed the cries from the slaves. I'm the last person you should come to for advice. I can't even say the name of any of my ships without being back on board them in my head. The seasoned sailor made a promise to God that if he survived, he would change his ways. I wish I could remember all their names. My 20,000 ghosts. He dedicated his life to his faith as a preacher and author of hymns. In 1772, Newton wrote a hymn called Faith's Review and Expectation, and it became one of the most popular songs in the history of the world, the most recognizable and most recorded, a song now known as Amazing Grace. This song has had the power to give hope to the hopeless, 
and soften the hearts of the hardened. The first time I heard it, I associated it with the American South and sort of allied to the sort of spirituals. And I'm sure it was a, I don't know, a, a Baptist choir or something that I heard singing and thought what an amazing piece of work it was and had assumed that it was African-American, so it was quite a surprise. Amazing Grace was sung by both sides in the American Civil War and used as a requiem by the Cherokee Indians on the Trail of Tears. Civil rights protesters sang it defiantly during freedom marches and on that sweltering August day when Martin Luther King shared his dream. The hymn rang out when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison and when the Berlin Wall came crumbling down. And on September the 11th, Amazing Grace was sung to comfort a mourning world. It reminds us of a God of mercy who still lights the way of the lost and the blind. Mm. Okay. So the man who wrote that song changed dramatically because of what happened to him, didn't he? And he wrote a powerful song that's been used for years and years and years. I have... Um, a crossword here about Amazing Grace. Probably only the people who are older who can do crosswords might be able to do that. But some of there's some colouring sheets for the little people. Okay? There's some colouring sheets. You pass them around for me. Colouring sheets for the little people that Liam's going to give out. And there are pencils at the back. If you need pencils to colour in or some pencils to write with, you may go to the back table and get them and make sure you put them back there at the end. Thank you very much, guys. You can go back to your seats. Fantastic. It's great to have the children in church and to be together as a family, particularly on Easter. Amazing grace. It's one of the most uh, amazing words, that word grace. It's one of the greatest words of the Bible. It is mentioned 165 times, uh, 13 times in the Old Testament, 23 in the New Testament. And talk about amazing grace. Stephanie has agreed to marry Jason. So it is actually official now. Everybody was wondering, but uh, as, on behalf of the church family, we just want to say amazing grace. May God keep favour upon your lives and bless your unions to start to walk forward together as a couple and to serve Jesus passionately. Amen? Amen. Fantastic. So it's a great word, grace. Some people are named grace. The very first reference in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Very early. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it seems to be for no real reason. He just found God's favor. And here's good news. You want to go right to the end of the book? The very last verse in the Bible says this. In fact, it's the very last words of Jesus. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Hallelujah. From the beginning to the end, the message is a message of grace. For some people, they're going to find out there is a throne of judgment that waits them. But to those that have placed their faith in Jesus, they'll discover that they can go boldly to the throne of grace that they might attain favor in their hour of need. What is grace? Well, its simplest definition is it's unmerited favor. It differs from mercy. 
Mercy is not getting what we deserve, namely hell. Grace is getting what we do not deserve, which is namely heaven. Hallelujah. And grace is revealed through scriptures over and over again. Grace is an amazing gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. In fact, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We should never never forget that whilst grace is free, it was very costly and it cost Jesus his life. It's free, but it costs God everything. So amazing grace. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do it at the end of the service, so just hold on for that. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing gift, amen? It's also an amazing lift. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. But where sins abound, grace does more abound. What that means is there are multi-being people on the earth. If every one of them were Adolf Hitler, if every one of them was an Osama bin Laden, if every one of them was the meanest, most rottenest scoundrel you could think of, but if they repented before a loving God, there's enough grace for them all to go to heaven. It's an amazing grace. No matter how sin abounds, there is more grace. It's an amazing gift. It's an amazing lift. It's also an amazing shift. Grace is always sufficient. Even when Paul had issues in his life and he prayed and he sought God, three times with prayer he sought God. But the answer was, my grace is all that you need. Hallelujah. For my power is greatest when you are weak. Therefore I am most happy and then proud of my weaknesses in order that I might enjoy God's power in me. For I am content with weaknesses and struggle and insults and persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is amazing grace, isn't it? John Newton wrote this song, a great song. We've got a bit of the background there. At 82 years of age, he's now blind. And he's then asked, and he says, he's asked this question about his background, how he wrote all the hymns. And this is what he said, my memory is nearly gone. But two things I remember, that I am a great sinner and that Jesus Christ is a great saviour. It's a beautiful hymn. It's a wonderful hymn and it speaks of grace. But today I'm going to do something a little bit more unusual, although, you know, I do like to use the full orb of creative arts and all the rest. But we're going to throw to probably one of the best presentations on the gospel of Jesus Christ that I've ever seen. It's done by Reggie Debs, the national youth speaker for America, one of the greatest evangelists. So we're going to throw to about an 18-minute video, but most of you will find it a very powerful message.
college kids like a discotheque. Listen, listen. I'm sorry. You are a nice boy, but I'm too beautiful for you. Goodbye, Brad from America. You want one more kiss before I go? Are, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm here tonight to tell you about a father who loved his son and a son who loved his dad. The way this story is going to unfold for you is a little bit different because I want to bring it to now. You see, a dad would go home and he would go by the school and every now and then he would pick up his son and say, son, why don't you go to work with me? The boy loved that. And when his dad would just come and pick him up, he was the happiest boy ever. He knew that he would get to spend the afternoon with his father at work and, and he would get his coat and, and they would walk and he, he would bring hot chocolate for his son for his really cold and they would, they would go through. But this boy was different. This boy would see things. This boy wasn't normal. And when, he, when they were walking, one afternoon going to where dad worked, this boy would notice things that other people wouldn't notice. He'd see things other people wouldn't see. He sees a man in a bathrobe in the middle of the street who's yelling at a second story window. He sees a woman who's very angry at him and doesn't really want to hear what he says. This boy, as the rest of the world hustles by, he slows down. He sees the hurt and the pain. He sees the anguish and the sorrow. He sees the window close and a desperate man trying to get what he did doesn't matter. That he hurting is all that matters. And this boy would see these things. His father rushes and gets him by the hand and says, let's go, we'll be late. He would stop and look one more time. Can I stop his pain? Can I stop her hurt? But the boy loved his father. They would go and they would catch the, the trolley. I think that's what you call it here. We call it a tram. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the words. But he would get on there with his dad. And the boy would just notice people. He would look. And that day, one particular, he noticed uh, something as he got on the train. explain something. As you can hear, there's a train coming. And i got to get through this before the train gets here. He saw a man. He saw a woman. He saw that the man seemed very happy and the woman seemed very sad. And he couldn't understand why they could be together and one be happy and the other be sad. He couldn't understand that. But the little boy knew that there was something wrong. He had this feeling, this instinct that was amazing, how he cared for other people, but he loved none other than his father. He knew his daddy loved him, and as he watched the world and their hurt and their pain, he knew that he would always have a father, but even notice this, I need you to understand as you hear this story and get involved in the life of this man and his son, I need you to notice that there's no mom. 
As they walked through the woods, the boy was saying to his father, Dad, what will I do when I grow up? What will I get to do? Will I get a cool job like yours? How will I work? He said, I don't know, but I want to change the world. I want to do something great. I want to do something wonderful. I want to help people. I want to do something that, that can change the lives of anyone. I just want to be that great. I just want to do something good. And as he walked with his dad, his dad was saying, Son, you will be great. You will be awesome. You will change the world. Your life is going to be incredible. There was a train coming. There's always a train coming. The train is called life. We're all on the train of life. Just riding. Whether we realize the truth or not, whether we realize what's happening or not, we're all on that same train tonight. Only God has saw it fit for us to be in the same room, in the same car, for such a time as this. When they get to the edge of the train track, he can see where his father worked. You see the bridge? That's what his dad did. You see, the bridge was very, very important. Boats needed to come to the harbor to get off their goods so they could make money. But trains were coming with people going from one town to the next. Not many cars in Europe, so they couldn't use a lot of that. So many people, not enough roads, so everybody used that train to get from the town to town to get to work and to get home. And one day the train was coming by. What you have to understand is that boy loved going to work with his dad. He would stay right by the river's edge and he would do what he loved to do the most. Let me explain that. He loved to fish. Anybody like to fish here? All the guys go, Ugh. The dad looks at his boy and he says, son, now remember the rules. You got to stay right here because I can see you from the window right here. Don't get out of the sight of this window because you got to stay there so I know you're safe. Catch you something good to eat. But as you can hear, the train's coming. The father's job was cool. If I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't mind doing that. Get to work. Get grease on you. Even if you didn't have to, you just squirt it on you like you feel like you did something. That's what I would do. <laughs> There was a boat coming in the harbor. Timing is very essential. I'll go ahead and give you the key. The key is this. There's always a light. Everybody say light. Oh. Say it again. Oh. One more time. Oh. There's a light that the train conductor needs to see. If that light is green, he can go. If it's red, he must stop. You see, God has given us road signs in our life that we must read. Lines that tell us to go and lines that tell us to stop. Whether we read those and believe them or not is up to us. That's why some of you have fallen and you cannot get up. But tonight, that's why I'm here. The boat needed to come through, so he called, and the man said, Okay, i got time. It's a long time before the train should come. So he pulls the lever, as you just saw, and the big, big, huge stone steel bridge, the gears started turning. They started cranking the steam. All of a sudden, gears are moving, and that big, huge bridge is just starting to go up. As it rises higher and higher, he has to watch and make sure everything's set, everything's good, everything's fine. As he looks out the window, he can see everything, but the dad, being a good dad, keeps one eye on his work but the other eye on his baby one eye on the world but the other eye on his children you think God doesn't know where you are he keeps one eye on his world and one eye on his child no matter what you've done or where you've been it's one eye on the world but the other eye's on you he's watched you and he's kept you even though your train is coming down the track he understands that and even though sometimes I don't know when to get ahead of myself see the red light he didn't see it. 
So many times we don't see the red light. See, to just say the train was early. The boy can hear and see the steam. And he looks and says, Daddy, the train. Daddy, Daddy, the train's early. Daddy, you got a daddy. Hey, Daddy, 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 the train. Daddy, the train's coming. But the dad was looking at the gears, making sure he had enough oil, making sure there was enough steam to get the bridge back down for the train. And the boy, the boy knew one thing. Now listen, the boy knew that his dad one time showed him where the trigger was. It was a red lever. If he pulls it, the train bridge would collapse down fast and the train would be able to come across. All the boy knew was there were people on that train. There were people that needed to be saved. There were people that had, some of them just with their friends having a good time. Like everything's fine. They did not know that the bridge was up. They did not know what was coming. They're just living their life like you and me. Just going down the road. Just being our own thing. Doing our own thing. And the dad all of a sudden hears the train coming. He looks and then he says, oh my son. He looks out and his boy's gone. He's like, oh my God, where's my son? Where's my son? He got to figure out. He looks back just in time to see his son trying to save the day. All he had to do was pull that lever. He reaches in to pull it and the boy pulls too far and he falls in the hole. Now it's on the father and God the father. Did you hear me? God the father has to make a choice. It's his now. Do I save my son or do I save the world? But they don't even know. They don't even know. The greatest decision of his life. He can blame it on them not seeing the red light. He can blame it doesn't matter anymore. Pull the lever, save the world. Leave it up, save your son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever leaves in him train goes by. It's fine. Everything's cool. The bridge is down. Just like always. It's always going to be down. Are you hearing me tonight? He gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave. And you know what's amazing? I wonder what God did right when his son died on that cross. When he breathed his last breath. When he took that first and he breathed and it was over. Here's what the father would have looked like. They didn't even know. Just trying to think of their life. Just trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Just thinking about the person they're going to see. The people they're going to hang out with. Just trying to be, just loving, caring. Doesn't matter if you're blind. Doesn't matter if you're putting on a little more makeup, trying to look pretty for somebody, or just wearing another mask. It doesn't matter. God gave his son for you. What will I do when I grow up? Where will I go when I grow up? What will I change? And there was a girl in the bathroom. The tree. And they grow flying her heroin. 
shoot up one more time. He died for her. He died for her. But in one moment, are you listening? In one moment, as the Bible says, everybody gets a chance. In one moment, to see the look of the Father when He knows what He, when you realize what He did for you, when you realize the sacrifice, when you realize He let His Son die so that can live. When you realize what He did, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at in this life, no matter what you're a part of, you gotta stop! You gotta stop! Even if it's for one second and think, my God, He did it for me! He did it for me. And I pray to God you drop what you're doing. With all the pain and the hurt and the sorrow in the world, He did it for you. That's why you're so quiet. You see, the train's coming. The train's coming. Everybody has things, you have ways of, of I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, but why do I keep doing it? Even Paul said, why do I do what my flesh tells me and I do what I know is wrong and I don't do what I know is right. You got to understand tonight, the fight is on and we can win. We become more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And I'm not preaching just for me, I'm preaching on behalf of you. But what you got to understand is there had to be a moment in those three days when Jesus died on a Friday and rose again. On a Sunday, there had to be this moment. Go ahead, look at the screen. When it was just God and His baby, and His son. Every sin that's ever been committed in this is rolling through your mind right now. I'm here to tell you. That as the sun sets in the afternoon, the sun will rise again. And when the sun rises again, you cannot change your past, but you can change your future. You see, it's always a different day. One day someone lives, the next day they die, the next day you wake up and you're still living. You're like, why am I going to live? Why does this have to be my turn? Why can't I? You can just preach. I can't stop, but I need you to see the whole picture here. You see, because when God the Father gave His only Son, when Jesus Christ breathed His last breath and He died, He did it in a way that you can never ever say, you don't know me, you don't understand me, God don't understand my pain, God don't understand my sorrow. You see, that's the very train that was that boy was on. That's the very train that he was on. And as this dad remembers, look real close. You see the pictures of the people? Bam, there they are. But there's somebody added in the picture, isn't it? Bam, there they are. Do you see who's added in it? In every face of every person. Jesus is in their life. Why? Because when you're the greatest sacrifice, you always end up in everyone's life. No matter where they are, who they are, He did it so that you can say He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. Jesus Christ was there all the time. And the train keeps going. The train keeps coming train keeps moving. People keep living and people keep dying. And God the Father just watches it all. One eye on the world, 
the other eye on you. Some of you are starting to figure it out. You're like, what is he looking for? Just one girl. Because see, the whole horrible day, God only had his eyes on one person. And it was just a day on the street corner. When he walked by, he saw a girl with a babe. And she saw him. Do you get it? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He did it so that we can live. No matter what the sin, no matter what the pain, no matter what the sorrow, the sacrifice was perfect. It was And it was for you. And God the Father watches it all unfold. And all he can say is one word. I'm going to ask the uh, choir if they come up now and we'll just uh, close with that song, Amazing Grace. And uh, just before we do that, I wonder if you just might bow your heads and nobody looking around, just a moment of quietness. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, this is a wonderful day to know the truth that God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. This is your opportunity. To get to heaven, you've got to be born twice. The first time is uh, when you are born here physically. And for if you're in this room, Tate, you've had that. You're here physically. The second time, you have to be born again. You've got to be born spiritually. And Jesus has made that way possible. If you can be sorry for your sins and trust in Jesus, then a miracle will take place. And you will be born again and be changed on the inside forever and ever. If that's you this morning, while everybody's just praying, saints are praying for you. If that's you this morning, I'd like to really give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Just everybody be still for a minute, please. Just not going to take long. If that's you this morning, can you be brave and courageous and do something most of us have done? Can you just stick your hand straight up in the air? I'm going to pray for you. We're going to ask Jesus to save your soul today. Little boy over here, God bless you. Is there someone else today who would like to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior? Just going to look over the congregation just very shortly. I also want to pray for people today. I don't do this very often. I've been in this church for 14 years. I don't do this very often. But if you're away from God and you know you're not in the right place, And that if you had to meet him today, you'd be a bit embarrassed where you are. I would also want to pray for you today. Because Jesus died for you. He gave all of his life that you might live. If you're away from God today, just quickly slip up your hand. Say, God, I'm coming back to you. I want to say, God bless you. Another young boy. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Quite a number of people. Would you like to be included in this prayer? I'm going to pray just quickly. God bless you. God bless you. A number of recommitments are taking place here today. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. See that hand. 
God bless you. May that put down, God bless you. May put down your hand. Thank you. Can you stand with me? We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing this great anthem one more time, and then release you to your Easter weekend. Stand with me, please. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he went to a cruel death to take our punishment, Lord, upon himself, that, Lord, he can give us, Lord, his life. And so, Father, we just ask for those that have made a decision that they want to serve you and follow after you, that, Lord, you'd wash away their sins, that by the power of your Holy Spirit you'd come and you'd make them, Lord, alive on the inside, that they would be born again, Father, in their heart, And, Lord, they would learn what it is to walk in simple faith and trust from here to eternity in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, for everybody in the sound of my voice today that have made a commitment, they know they're not in the right place, I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit that you would convict and, Lord, you would heal and, Lord, there would be that sense of your affirmation, Lord, upon every heart turned towards you, we pray. In Jesus' name that, Lord, we could sing this song with depth of meaning and understanding in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.